Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Ice Time with your host, Matt Piscazzi. And uh, today it is just me. I will get into that a little bit later here. But uh, thank you again for listening yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and for all the love and support we've been getting. Uh, be sure to check us out on our socials at Twitter or X at Icetime9899. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, be sure to send us an email at Icetime9899 at gmail.com. Uh, as per usual, this episode, I believe, will be out Friday morning, and then we will have uh, two more episodes for you guys next week on Monday and Friday. Uh, Wednesday episodes are still in the air a little bit. Um, if we have time and, and fun things to talk about, we are going to try and implement some wacky Wednesdays here and there. But uh, yeah, like I said in the intro, I am riding solo today, so uh be a little bit of an adventure. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it with me, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, my partner, my, my co-host, one of my, my buddies over there, John, he is not feeling great. I actually just talked to him. The throat was uh, was killing him. He wasn't sounding too great, so I was not about to have him hop on a mic and uh, and talk for a little bit here. That would have been uh, quite detrimental, especially when he's you know in the state that he is in. So feel better, John. I know you will be listening to this. I know you're excited for this. I am excited to get this done. A little nervous, but uh, definitely can't wait to you know get back, get you back here, and, and do the next episodes with you. But uh, yeah, so for this episode, my little solo episode here. I am going to uh, start off by talking about Frozen Frenzy, of course, happened this past Tuesday, and it was just awesome. Uh, for those of you that caught any of it, I'm sure you enjoyed it, and I will definitely get into that. The Rangers did play on that Tuesday, of course, so I will go into a little bit of a discussion about that. Of course, we are always going to be talking about the Rangers, Rangers, Rangers here. Going to get into Light the Lamp segment after that, just highlight a couple goals. I believe, yeah, all the goals are from that night, and I did get to watch them all live, which was pretty fun. They are. There's some, some pretty, uh, pretty fun goals to watch, so definitely... You know, you guys should be checking them out yourself as well if you didn't catch them. And then, yeah, I'll end the episode just with some league news, uh, maybe some other sports news as well. I know the NBA season started up on Tuesday night as well, and we do have a big game in New York this weekend with the Jets playing the Giants. So a lot of stuff to cover on this episode, and it'll be uh, be fun to, to see how, uh, how this goes. So without further ado, we'll, we'll get into our first topic here. So like I said, this past Tuesday, I believe it was the, what, 22nd now? Check a calendar. I don't even know what date it is. Twenty fourth. Sorry about that. This uh, this past Tuesday, the twenty fourth, was the ESPN's first Frozen Frenzy. So uh, we had talked about it on our, our previous episodes here. But for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's kind of like an NFL Red Zone type um, presentation, essentially. So they had uh, John Bruchagross in uh, in the studio with Kevin Weeks, and they basically they would show you like a couple minutes of a game that was going. You know, there were a bunch of every team played that night. All all thirty two teams, sixteen games that started. I believe it was like 6 p.m. They went until, well, the last game started at 11 p.m. Eastern. It ended like, I don't know, 1230, 1 o'clock, something like that. But uh, all these games are going on, right? So you get a couple minutes of one game, and they, they show you the goal. They show you the big hit. They show you the power play. And then they go to another game, and you get a couple minutes of that game. And it's, it's a really great way to get uh, coverage of all sorts of different games. And that also happened to be a night where the scoring was just crazy. Uh, it didn't break the record. So I believe the record for like most goals scored in one night, uh, John Bouchergross was talking about a little bit. He was hoping it was going to get broken. Or it might have been weeks, actually, I don't remember. But uh, that record did not get broken. But there were something like 95 to 100 goals scored that night. I can't remember the exact tally. But yeah, a lot of really great hockey. And uh, you know, I hope that you guys were able to catch some of it, if not most of it. Uh, <laughs> I did not get to catch as much of it as I would have liked to. Did have some stuff going on. But, you know, I was, able to, I was able to catch some bits and pieces here and, and some really good stuff. So we'll get into some of those games. Um, early on, we had the Leafs taking on the Caps, and I, I was able to watch a bit of that game. I think that actually started before the Frenzy. So that was like one of the 6, 6.30, 6.45 games. The Frenzy didn't start until like 7. 
But uh, yeah, the Leafs there were a little shaky in the beginning. The Caps had a ton of shots, but then the Leafs out of nowhere just started scoring and they just could not stop. They ended up winning the game. I think it was 4-1. And uh, Ovi scored on the power play that, uh, that game. That was his first goal of the year. And then uh, Wednesday, so well, I'm recording this on Thursday night. So yesterday, Wednesday night, he did score another goal. And I think he also had an assist. So a few points here for Ovi after, uh, after being missing there for a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was a fun game to watch. And, you know, the Leafs, it's always fun to watch them on offense. They were electric. There, there was a period of that game, like I said, they just could not stop scoring. It was like boom, boom, boom. Every time they were down the ice, they were getting quality opportunities. And, uh, you know, it ended up paying off. They ended up scoring four goals and winning the game. So definitely fun to watch. Yeah, another one of the earlier games I was able to catch a bit of, and I did actually catch this goal. So the uh, Blackhawks were on a power play. It was uh, the first period against their game, in their game against the Bruins, excuse me. And Bedard with just a rip, just a nasty little shot, right? Awesome shot right in the top, the high slot there. Uh, goes in top corner, you know, light goes on, everyone's all excited, right? Called back for offsides. Athanasiu was uh, offsides on the play by like half a frame. It was just... Oh, it was so unlucky. When I was watching the replays, I was like, you got to be kidding. It's just one of those where you're like, oh, like what could have been? Uh, nonetheless, you know, great shot. Sad to see that goal taken away. And, and you know, the, the Blackhawks did end up losing that game. But uh, yeah, that was, was a nice little shot. And another, just another sign from Bedard that he's just looking dangerous. And then uh, another game towards, I caught some of the, the later stuff a little bit more than some of the earlier stuff. Like I said, I was busy throughout the night. But the Kraken and the Red Wings goes into overtime. And the last minute of that overtime, I mean, I don't know where you'd be able to watch it. I don't know where the replays are, but if you could watch like even just like the last minute to two minutes of that overtime period was just incredible, especially the last minute. I mean, it was like, you know, the crap, I, I can't remember the order, but it was like one team had, you know, had the puck. They're in the zone there. They're trying to get shots on their cycle in the puck. This, that, the other thing, right? Well, puck ends up out of the zone. They're going up the other end of the ice. Boom. Couple shots. Boom, boom, boom. Like it was just nonstop action. And uh, the, oh, I can't remember. I think it was a Kraken ended up winning it with like must have been like four seconds left or something like that. Like it was just, it was insane. So definitely check that out if you get a chance. I, like I said, I don't really know where you'd get replays of that stuff, but if you do, if you, if you have, uh, you know, that access, definitely check it out. And uh, something interesting that happened towards the end, I was watching, uh, it was like the end and like late night kind of frozen frenzy was almost shutting down. I think the only two games going on at that time were the wild Oilers and the Flyers Knights, or actually it might've been the end of the Rangers games and the, and then the Flyers Knights. But, uh, Weeksy and uh, and John Butchergross did like a little FaceTime interview with Gary Bettman, and you know he had some good stuff to say. It's the typical corporate kind of mumbo jumbo. It's it's what you want to hear him say. You know, oh yeah, we're trying to get the game out there. This is we want this to be a big success. We want to get more viewership. We want to get you know we want to get the game out to more people. Like he said all the right things, right? So that that's always good to see. Nothing super unexpected, but his camera was shaking so bad, like. I thought there was an earthquake going on in the guy's house. I swear he was just, I, I mean, he must've been like holding up the phone himself. And I don't know why that was the move when you're the commissioner. And why don't you just get a little tripod in your basement or something? But yeah, if you get a chance to check that out, uh, you might not want to, cause I almost got motion sickness, I swear. But uh, yeah, nothing super surprising from him. Just kind of like the typical stuff. But uh, I, I didn't know they were going to do that. So I did think that was kind of interesting. I liked that they, they brought him in there and they got his thoughts on the night. And I think overall the night was a big success. Uh, specifically for the Rangers, it was quite a success with uh, with a good little three one win, uh, win. Excuse me, in Calgary, uh, continuing our uh, our little Canadian road trip. We will be playing the Oilers uh, tonight. Like I said, I'm recording Thursday. Got the Oilers later tonight, so I will definitely be checking that game out. You guys should. Uh, hope you know. Hope you guys will, will get to check out that game as well and and listen in and and you hear our thoughts and everything like that. But yeah, 
This game against the Flames was just awesome. I mean, last year, the game against the Flames was definitely more fun to watch, but this one didn't disappoint. This was this was definitely a, a good game to watch as well. Uh, early on in the first, we were peppering Markstrom. I mean, just here, there, and everywhere. Just shots just everywhere, right? And he was a brick wall. Stopped them all. I got to give him credit. I, I'm a little skeptical of Markstrom. I don't know that... I, I don't trust him fully. I think he's little inconsistent but he's definitely talented and we've seen those flashes of talent and it, it's there there's no question and we saw it in that first period he, he was just a brick wall in front of us and then uh it took into the second for us to kind of get our legs under us and actually in the beginning of the second i was not happy with our play we were kind of a little shaky for a couple minutes there but uh the penalties started coming and, and you know the special teams got involved and that's really when we started showing up and with that uh lafreniere scored a sort of little tip goal on the power play which was just awesome to see. He looked like a little mini Kreider out there. And I also really liked um, something that we didn't see a lot with Gerard Gallant was with the power play in specific, like in particular, the first unit would be out there for almost the whole power play. I mean, we'd, we, he would get the second unit out there. It felt, felt like for like 20 seconds, 30 seconds max, maybe if the, if the first unit was tired, like it was like a last resort for him. Like he just did not want to use them. And okay, maybe understandably you had some younger guys on there that aren't, as good as our power play, especially considering how good our power play has been the last couple of years. But I really like that we've been seeing more of that second power play unit this season. And it paid off. They scored that goal, uh, or they scored on that power play in particular with Laugh scoring a goal. And then the next uh, next power play that we had, he started the second unit out there. Admittedly, they didn't look as good, but they wore those penalty killers down a little bit. Our first unit gets out there, and Kreider scores uh, another goal, another power play goal. And it was an awesome tip. If you didn't see it, you should check it out. But uh, yeah, I really like seeing that. and. It's very encouraging seeing Laviolette get both power play units um, in the mix more and, and more involved. It also gives more opportunities to our young guys because that second power play unit's looking dangerous. I mean, we got, what's it called? Phil. That's La- Lafreniere's on there. Heedle's on there. Uh, Gustafson's on there. And I'm totally blanking on the last person. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it, it is looking solid. And I, I really, I really like seeing that Laviolette went with that second power play unit on that, you know, that next power play to give them an opportunity. He said, hey, you scored, you know, let's ride the hot hand. And obviously, it ended up, you know, they didn't score, but it did end up working out. Kreider scored on that power play, and that was really, really encouraging to see. But uh, yeah, I mean, the night for us was all about special teams. Our, our, our penalty kill was just insane. I just, just so good against the Flames. And, and we gave up a couple, a couple pretty bad penalties and also had a couple soft calls go against us. So for our guys to go out there, kind of solidify the momentum, just, just stand strong and be really, really strong in the hands, get out there and, and the penalty kill and go, do a good job was really, really awesome because the Flames scored super early in this game, and then that was it. They they did not score for the rest of the game. They definitely had their opportunities, but defensively, we were pretty solid, especially in the third period. And you can see Laviolette's game plan here, I think, especially if you if you watched a lot of the Rangers. Um, it's very clear that there's, there's a new game plan in, in place. Obviously, we've been talking about it here. But in particular for me, I was watching in the third period there, we have a two goal lead by that point, right? And what Laviolette is basically, you know, saying to the guys essentially is as soon as you get that puck out of the zone, get it down the ice. And so we did end up taking a lot of icing um, and, you know, having some tired guys out there. But of course, there's always gamesmanship. You take a little bit, oh, let me skate over, take my time, whatever. You know, you're not really that tired sometimes, right? And so it's not the worst thing in the world to take some icings here and there. But yeah, that you you saw that clear game plan. It was like as soon as we get that puck out of the zone, when we when we get that that pressure on our defensive zone, when we can get that pressure down, just try and get the puck down ice. And it worked out for us. It really did. We we saw some really good stuff from us on uh, on defense there towards the end of the game, and we closed out a really really good little three uh, one victory over the Flames. Uh, with that being said, I mean, it, I would be 
um, naive if I didn't recognize that there were definitely some some negative aspects to our play as well. I mean, there's nothing is ever always great or always positive, right? And the first thing that sticks out to me is the special teams. We only scored on special teams. And now that is sustainable sometimes to some degree, depending on how the game goes and depending on how the, how the refs are, how the calls are going, things like that. But for us to get two power play goals and then one goal at four on four, and that's our story that game, it's just we need to see more five on farm scoring. And you know, I might sound like a little bit of a broken record. Um, I feel like I'm probably going to be saying this a lot because this was a story that we saw with the Rangers last season. Five on five scoring has been something that has we have kind of had trouble with here in the, in the past few seasons, especially. And so seeing us get this win solely off of special teams is not the best way to get the win. Obviously, a win's a win, happy with the win. But yeah, I do want to see more five on five scoring from us in general, just as a whole team. Um, again, obviously, a win's great, right? But we, we really need to see more five on five stuff. And I think that that will really be telling and, and specifically for how successful we're going to be this season, right? If we can't score five on five, that that's kind of it, right? That's been our story for a few seasons here. It doesn't matter if we make the playoffs and make a run. Can't score at five on five, you can't win a cup. And I, I really hope that we can kind of figure that one out and maybe get a little more scoring at five on five at even strength in, in this system. But yeah, you know, right in right with that, in tandem with that, we only had 20 shots on net. And it's not like they had 20, 30 bucks. They had 10. So that's about 30 shots. I mean, there's obviously other shots that don't get counted in the stats and things like that. But we need we need more shots. We need a higher volume of shots. We can't count on scoring three goals on 20 shots every night. That's not sustainable. And especially with the faceoffs as well. We did lose in the faceoff circle. It was roughly 60% uh, Calgary, 40% us. Uh, and we've been pretty good on faceoffs this year. We have. I, we're, we're up there. We're in top five of the league right now. I know we were we were like second on uh, three or four days ago. We were like second. I don't know where we are now. So it's definitely encouraging to see us kind of pick that up a little bit. But uh, in that game in particular, we did not do great on faceoffs. And you know, I, I said the defense at the end of that game there was great, and it was, but you saw a little bit of complacency from us. The, the game plan was cl- very clearly get the puck out of the zone and get it down the ice. We weren't really trying to rush the puck up ice, get those odd man opportunities. It's like when it's there, you take it, but they weren't trying to create those opportunities. And that's okay when you're, you know, when you're winning a game, especially towards the end of the game, but you don't really want to get complacent, right? You don't want to just put the stick down and just say, hey, we're good. We can go out here and, and we'll get the W, right? We have a couple goal lead. We got a couple minutes left in the game. It'll be fine or to work out. Like, no, you, you still have to get out there. You have to be aggressive. You know, you have to get the stick on the hands. When you have the puck, you have to try and make the play, try and make the move. Um, maybe not as much to, not as much of a, a degree as you normally would, but still, I didn't love seeing that kind of complacency. And uh, I think there's, there's a time and place for it, but it is, uh, it's not the best practice because that that kind of leaves the door open for a team to make a little bit of a comeback and i think that if igor didn't play the way that he played uh we we probably would have had a bit of a different scoreline here because he played outstanding throughout most of this game i mean he was just unreal but uh it's enough of the little, little rangers talk i feel like i've been rambling about the rangers for a few minutes here so i will get into a uh, little light the lamp <laughs> And uh, I miss my buddy over there. I wonder what he would have had for Light the Lamp. And I know he would have loved this first one. He, I told him to check it out. I don't know if he saw it yet, but my first Light the Lamp is a goal from Ryan Hartman in the Wild and the Oilers game. Uh, he did score a hat trick that game. I believe this was his second goal. Might have been his first. I didn't catch um, if, it, if it was his second. I didn't catch his first. That's kind of why I'm assuming it was his second. It was also a little bit later in the game. But nonetheless, uh, he scored... 
and it was a nice enough shot. It was right in front of the net, a little, you know, right by the goalie. But it wasn't the shot. For me, it was the build-up play. So Kaprizov has, has the puck on his stick on his backhand. He's kind of drifting. If I'm the goalie, like, looking up ice, you know, he's drifting from my right to my left, kind of across midline. As he's drifting across, he just whips a backhand pass at, like, 100 miles an hour right down to the left side of the goalie. And Zuccarello, all in one motion, just puts his skate out, kind of tilts it to the side a little bit, boop, like a little dink, and just ever so slightly pushes that puck right off of his, uh, his skate right into the slot to a wide-open Hartman who just had to put it in the net. Middleton moves in for Minnesota, drops it to Kaprizov, spins away from Nugent Hopkins, backhander off front, Hartman scores! This time it's the wall in the opening minute of the period! And it was, it was awesome, it was gorgeous. If you didn't check it out, that one is really about the build-up play for me. And we love to see Zuccarello involved. I mean, as soon as I saw the puck going to him, I was like, he's doing something with it. And lo and behold, he did. He made a great pass and, and Hartman made a great finish. And Wild ended up winning that game 7-4. But they, uh, another goal here that was a little prettier on the eyes, less about the buildup and a lot more about the, the play and, and, you know, kind of the skill here. A, a goal by Cotter. I believe his name is Paul Cotter. Um, I don't know if that's his first name. I, that came up online, though, so I hope it is. Regardless, uh, Cotter scored a gorgeous little goal for the uh, the Golden Knights against the Flyers. He uh, so he catches the puck off of a another backhand rip from uh, Carlson in the neutral zone. He's coming into the zone from again. If I'm the goalie, if I'm looking up, he's coming out of my left. Just zooms into the zone. The defender kind of comes up to play him. Right. He does a little dangle. Throws the throws the puck like between his legs and like under where the defender's stick was, and then kind of goes off to the side a little bit. Gets it on his forehand and just boom. Top left corner, nothing the goalie could do. It was gorgeous. You should check it out. And uh, another goal that was not as pretty, but uh, very significant, especially for us uh, Rangers fans. Vetrano, Frank Vetrano with a little bit of an overtime winner for the Ducks in a very exciting game. And that was, that was a, a bit of an exciting overtime period as well. I did catch quite a bit of that. But uh, yeah, he, you know, his shot's no joke. His shot has never been a joke. It is for real, and he's not afraid to shoot it. And uh, that was a nice, a nice little. Uh, the goalie just couldn't keep up with him. He really was. He just kind of drove into the net, had a one-on-one kind of coming in from the side, and just just got to pass the goalie. A nice little shot. And the Ducks aren't aren't looking too bad in this early season here. They're they're treading water. But uh, yeah, that will be for the light the lamp session. Fortunately, I don't have John on the other end. I don't know what he would have picked, but I will have to ask him. We'll have to get him a little more involved in the next episode here because I feel like I am just rambling away. But yeah, I will. Uh, get into some league news here and, and just some kind of general sports stuff to uh wrap up the episode here you know like i said by myself um it's it's hard man i, I didn't know how long this was going to take you know i had a lot of stuff lined up here i didn't know if it was going to be if it's going to be enough if it's not going to be enough um uh, looking pretty good here i'm pretty happy with with how this is going so far so yeah like i said i'll just kind of touch on some league news here and then and wrap this up for you guys and get you guys another uh, another episode out here but uh yeah something that over the summer we talked about a little bit and I was personally really disappointed when the NHL decided to ban all theme nights for, for this coming season and, and future seasons. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with that, uh, the NHL every year, you know, all the teams, it's up to the teams basically to decide what nights they want to do and kind of how they want to do it. But essentially, teams would typically pick like a, there's like a hockey fights cancer night and like a military appreciation night. I know there's like a Hispanic heritage night. There's a, a pride night. So they they kind of pick these themes and... um. In warm-ups, players will wear specific jerseys or specific warm-up jerseys that they wouldn't normally wear. So, for example, the Hockey Fights Cancer one is an awesome jersey. 
Uh, I believe they're all white and then the logos are all in pink. And that is just, uh, you know, it's hockey for cancer. That is the support cancer, cancer research, all that good stuff. So when they wear these, these warm up jerseys in the pregame, after the game, those you will typically go up on auction and all of the funds um, from those auctions, it, well, I, I assume all of them, I don't really know the breakdown, but money from those auctions goes towards whatever the cause happens to be, whether that's, you know, cancer research, um, funding, funding different cancer treatment programs, or if it's military appreciation, appreciation, is it going to, you know, wounded warrior project? Are we sending care packages to the soldiers? Um, Pride night, you know, it's going to organizations that are just trying to kind of spread spread the word get um get information out there make people kind of aware and, and support the lgbtq plus lgbtq plus i think i said that right but i was a little fast but yeah just support that community um kind of get funding in in rel- relevant areas you know so all those nights right that's it's a good shot good cause for charity right but we had an issue last season where some players especially with pride night didn't want to wear those warm-up jerseys and in particular i believe it was ivan provorov had cited his russian orthodox beliefs so totally understandable that there are going to be people that are going to want to go out there and maybe not represent um, something that maybe they don't identify with or that doesn't uh, isn't congruent with their beliefs. I think that's okay. Everyone's kind of entitled to their own opinion and, and their own beliefs. But unfortunately, the league saw that and they said, no, 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 we're not doing this anymore. They didn't want to have the issue of, you know, not everybody out there in warmups, not everybody out there in warmups wearing those jerseys. Uh, I think they just saw it as kind of negative media towards the league and they just shut it down. And so they did announce that over the summer. And they basically announced as well, um, no, uh, you know, players in, in warmups and throughout the game could not wear equipment, uh, specifically like stick tape that were colors that had kind of corresponded to those causes. So we saw, uh, I believe his name is Travis Dermott. I think Travis is his first name, but we saw Dermott uh, over the weekend in a, in a game, the Coyotes played the Ducks. He wore pride tape on his stick and then he played the whole game with the pride tape on his stick. And afterwards he had a really nice quote that let me just get up here. So this was a quote by him after the game. He said, It's something that I felt has been lacking in the hockey community for a while. I feel like we need supporters of a movement like this, to have everyone feel included and really to beat home the idea that hockey is for everyone. And again, that was uh, in reference to him using pride, uh, pride tape on his stick that night against the Ducks. So we saw that happen, right? And a couple of days later, League comes out and basically announces that they're going to meet and talk about it. And a couple, you know, a day or two later, and now that's uh, there's no longer a ban on any of those uh, pregame type uh, equipment things. I, I don't know about the theme nights. I don't know if they rescinded that. But yeah, just a bad look for the league to kind of come out with this blanket. You know, you can't do this. No, 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 you can't do this. And then the second it comes up, they're, they're going to renege on that and try and, you know, make it make up for it. It's like, no, you, you made the wrong decision to begin with. You know, just one or two bad apples doesn't have to sour the whole bunch. And that was kind of what we saw. We saw a couple people and actually bad apples isn't the right term because I don't think that's fair to, to say that Provorov or anybody that doesn't want to wear those jerseys is a bad apple. I apologize about that. But, uh, you know, you have a couple guys that don't want to and what that's enough to, to shut it down for the whole league. Like, what's that about? Now you're, you're taking away money from charity. You're taking away from good causes. You're taking away exposure to those causes and to those organizations. And also, those are just great nights. I mean, if you've ever watched those games, if you've ever been to those games, they are special nights. Uh, they are special for a reason. So I was particularly sad when that kind of all came through. It is nice to see them taking a step in the, in the right direction here, trying to do the right thing. Uh, like I said, I don't think they should have ever done a, you know, ban these things from, to begin with, but here we are. So yeah, that was definitely a big piece of news there. Like I said, good to see them kind of make the right decision, but uh, hopefully they can be better on that in that regard moving forward. Uh, another piece of news here, which is new to the NHL, uh, Shane Pinto over uh, in Ottawa, playing for the Ottawa Senators, got a half-season ban, so 41 games banned 
related to sports gambling. So this is the first time we've seen this in the NHL. I mean, I know if if you guys watch sports, if you are familiar with with sports media, I'm sure you have seen the influx of advertising for sports betting. It is no joke. It is everywhere. It's on the train. It's on the subway. It's on the plane. It's it's on ESPN. It's on NBC. It's on ABC. It's on all the networks, any of the networks, NHL network, NFL network. I mean, every single commercial break, it, it, people on the radio, all their ads, it's just everywhere. So no surprise that it's picking up. But you see these professional athletes who make millions of dollars getting in on it. And it's like, really? That that's what you, you want to do when you don't think you're going to get caught. I mean, Calvin Ridley had like a, what, a whole season ban in the NFL or something like that. You know, we've seen this in the NFL happen quite a bit. And actually over the summer, they came out with some new, new rules and stricter regulations uh, in terms of, of sports betting, especially as it relates to these players and, and the games that they're playing and things like that. But yeah, sad to see that. And, uh, you know, touching the NHL now, hopefully that does not become something that we see more and more often here. It's just, it's not a good look, not a good look for the league, not a good look for the player. Not a good look for the team, just in general. It's like, what are you doing? You know, it's it really is. It's just kind of, it's like a head scratcher. Like, really? That, that's what you want to do with your time? So yeah, nonetheless, uh, we will not be seeing much of Shane Pinto this year. I wonder if he even comes back after that, if anybody even wants to touch him with a 10-foot pole, but we'll see. And, uh, and <laughs> another little thing out of Ottawa here, I thought it'd be fun to go through some players here in this early season who are kind of, uh, you know, maybe exceeding expectations, subverting expectations, uh, doing great, doing bad, just just a couple little surprises here. And the first one, I, I have Vladimir Tesenko, a little Vladdy daddy. Uh, he did go over to Ottawa here in the offseason, and he currently leads them in scoring with eight points. So a bit surprised to see him doing so well. I mean, I, I definitely thought he would bring them some kind of offensive firepower, definitely some juice there that, uh, you know, a young, a young fast team looks like they're kind of on the rise here. I thought that was a really good pickup. But uh, yeah, eight points to lead them in scoring over, you know, for guys like Stutzel, like, that is, that's no joke, Vlad. <laughs> keep, you know, keep it up, keep it up, except when you play us, of course. But, uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Try to get that off the mic, but, uh, quit, quit the cough there. But, uh, anywho, some of these other early, early season names we have here, you know, it's been five, six games, seven games for some teams. Uh, Alex Debrinkit is unreal. Nine goals for Detroit. And the, the crazy thing about that, too, is that he's not even leading them in scoring. I think he has 13 points and Dylan Larkin is leading them with 14 points. So they are just lighting it up over there, just scoring at will, basically. I think for them, the, the story, and there are a lot of teams that are like this, the story is really about defense and goaltending. I mean, I feel like I, I say that all the time, but it seems like that's kind of the story there as well, because we are seeing some serious offensive numbers from them. And then a guy who we saw some real offense from last year that we're just not seeing as much of this year, Tate Thompson. He's got four points through seven games here, which isn't bad. I mean, that's, that's better than a point every two games. It's not like that's terrible by any means. But from a guy who just was scoring at will last season, uh, you know, he had that one, what, six goal game. He had a number of hat tricks, um, just kind of lit the league on fire last year. So really weird that he's, he's having a little bit of a, a slower start here, kind of struggling. And uh, another guy who got a new contract. He got a, he got a little three-year, 5.75 uh, average uh, annual value contract there Trevor Zegris for the Anaheim Ducks he's no goals and one assist through six games after all that the the kind of back and forth and the you know they were only going to offer him three to four mil and he wanted more and he wanted more and well you got more and well, you don't really have much to show for it right here just a quite a shaky start for him which is also weird because the um the Ducks actually don't look that bad I mean comparatively of course they don't look terrible so just weird to see that from him I wonder if we'll see him kind of pick it up here but uh with that being said, a guy who is leading the league in points right now, Jack Hughes, just looks so good. I mean, I know seventeen or 13 of his 17 points are assists, so it's not like he's 
scoring at will, but he is that playmaker. That's that's kind of we we've seen that from him. You know, he definitely can score. He has a wicked shot. He's unreal speed. You know, especially on the breakaway, he scores a lot on the breakaway. But his passing, man, his playmaking is is serious. It's no joke. And that that loaded top six there for the Devils is paying off. And uh, Hughes is is rolling in a big way here in this early season. Yeah, just uh, not necessarily surprised to see him doing so well. But yeah, top in the league with 17 points, man. Sheesh. Look at, look at you go, little Jack Hughes. But yeah, I wish uh, wish that, that draft year with him and Kako went a little bit differently. But uh, here we are. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I, will, I will move on from that one. I could always talk about how we could have gone to anybody else. But here we are. So uh, just to close out the episode here, I know this isn't really hockey related, but the NBA did happen to start up on Tuesday as well. So weird that the Frozen Frenzy took place on the same night as the opening night for the NBA. And there was also a game seven in the MLB playoffs. I think it was the Diamondbacks and the Phillies, if I'm not mistaken. I believe the Diamond, yeah, Diamondbacks won that because they went, they went to the World Series. They're playing the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, that is. But uh, yeah, I didn't even, I wasn't even able to catch any of it. Of course, I'm watching Frozen Frenzy, but I did catch some of the Knicks and the Celtics game last night. And uh, me being a Celtics fan, I know, I know, I'm very sorry to our listeners. We are in the New York area. I'm sure that I am in the minority on this one, but I am a Celtics fan. I was quite happy to see that victory, especially with Chris Dapsporzingis putting up, uh, what, he had like 30 points, I think eight boards, a few assists, just good, good little revenge game for, for him there. And he was getting roasted by those fans at the Garden, man. I mean, he, you know, being with the Knicks for a little bit a few years ago. Uh, he, he was there for a little bit. So yeah, he was getting booed a lot. He was getting roasted by those fans. So I th- it was pretty cool to see him go out there and, and have a night. And, uh, you know, we miss Marcus Smart. We, we definitely do. I miss him in particular. I was always a big fan of Marcus Smart, but I am happy with how that trade worked out. And so far it looks good. You know, we haven't had a lot of scoring come from our, uh, our front court in a little bit here. We've been kind of looking for, for solutions at, at power forward and at center. So if Chris Tapps can step in there and, uh, and be a consistent scorer, sees look pretty dangerous this year, man. And uh, yeah, I'll get off the Celtics song because he wants to talk about the Celtics. We are in New York and get to a much more relevant topic topic to end the episode here. We got the Jets and the Giants this weekend, baby. So excited. Giants are going to uh, it's weird because I think it's a home game for the Giants, but they're playing at JetLife Stadium, dude. I, I don't know what this is. I don't know why those fans think they even have a leg to stand on. I've been listening to the radio all weekend and these Giants fans are coming out of the woodworks like thinking that their defense is going to blow up Zach Wilson and our line's going to not going to know what hit us. And oh my God, you know, our offense isn't going to be able to do anything. We went up against the Chiefs. I mean, I know we didn't win the Chiefs game, but Steve Spagnola, tremendous defensive coordinator, Kansas City Chiefs, excuse me, Kansas City Chiefs defense, pretty good defensive unit. Seriously, no joke. Zach Wilson had the best game of the season against him. Come up against the Broncos who had a weaker defensive unit and we come out on top, win the game. I mean, we've, I guess the Broncos is a bad example because they were supposed to have a much better defense than they do this year. Their metrics look bad, and that team is a fire sale right now, actually. But it's like we've played teams this year. Like I look at like when we played the Cowboys, and again we lost that game. But it's not like we were just getting pounded. You know, we we weren't just getting pounded into the earth. It's not like our linemen are just sitting there and just getting run over. And Zach Wilson's getting blown up every play. He has shown that he is can and will respond to pressure. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, the, the play writing here for, for the Jets and for Nathaniel Hackett on offense specifically looking like he's trying to get the ball out of Zach's hands faster. And if he can't get the ball out of his hands, we are seeing him get out of the pocket a little bit more appropriately than, than he used to. It used to be like one step back. And if he didn't have a target, he's out of the pocket. Now he's sitting in there. He's willing to take a hit. He's willing to try and make the play. I've seen a lot of growth from him this season. So I am very confident in the Jets role in this weekend and not for anything. I don't know why Giants fans think they can even win this game. Take like the defense and our offense out of it. What is their offense going to do against our defense? 
they, they got Tyrod Taylor back there playing quarterback and like, you know, respect to Tyrod Taylor. He's not a bad quarterback by by any means, but your, their offensive line, I mean, talk about an offensive line that's in shambles. Their offensive line doesn't, you know, they couldn't even block a Mack truck if, if you know, they, whatever, a bad example, but just they are not looking good. Like that's not it, right? Like, so why? I don't know. We have this incredible defense over here for the Jets. And I've just been hearing all week these Giants fans coming out of the woodwork just like, oh, yeah, we're going to win this. Oh, yeah, you the Jets don't even have a chance. Oh, yeah. And it's like, what leg do you have to stand on? You guys look awful. Daniel Jones isn't even playing. Saquon's probably going to get traded before the deadline. Who knows when Andrew Thomas is coming back? All these wide receivers and weapons that you added in the offseason have done diddly squat. So it's a joke. You know, sorry for our Giants fans out there. I am going in a little bit, but I've just been hearing it all week, man. And Giants fans always say that Jets fans are the rough ones and Jets fans are the the rough and tumble ones and then the mean ones or whatever. But it's like, man, you can't say anything bad about the Giants. You say one bad thing about the Giants and it's your like public enemy number one. Meanwhile, all anybody does in the media over the past 50 years is talk badly about the Jets. We actually, we let a report a few years ago that showed that the Jets were the sports franchise that was talked negatively, talked about negatively the most in sports media over like a 40 year period and that included tv and radio and uh the other forms of media i'm totally blanking out on but it's like really we're used to the criticism but you can't take it like come on so sorry for my little rant this is a hockey podcast but i am very passionate about the jets and i am very much looking forward to this weekend and a jets w hopefully uh you know i might uh, i might be coming in here with a bit of a different tune sunday night if we do lose that game and i will have to we'll have to bite my tongue if that is the case but I am very excited for that, and, uh, and I hope some of you listeners are as well. But uh, yeah, with that, with the end of my, my very long-winded football rant, again, apologies if you are not interested. I know this is a, ho- a hockey podcast primarily, but had a couple minutes here to, here to go off. So yeah, I think I will uh, wrap up the episode here. A little solo shot for you guys. I hope you enjoyed. I hope I wasn't too painful. Uh, you know, I hope, hope it went okay. Tried my best here. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely excited to get John back in the studio and, uh, and get re- studio. What am I talking about? We do this from our freaking houses, but, uh, <laughs> just excited to get, to get John back here, get another episode out for you guys. Uh, we will re- be recording that on Sunday. We'll have an episode for you guys this, uh, this coming Monday. So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed and, uh, glad to get another episode of ice time in the books here and I'll catch you guys on the next one.